are we the screaming divas or what? We are, we are the screaming divas in the snow. In the snow. Oh my <laughs> goodness, people. Okay. I'm going to say this because I have heard about this wonderful guest, but I had never met her. She's wonderful. She is wonderful. We were at the Met at the same time, but never ran into each other right now. It is the reigning queen of the night, Catherine Lewick. Who I've known as Katie for quite some time now. Everybody calls her Katie. Um, she is an amazing, uh, not, a, not only singer and performer and stuff, but just a really super cool human. Um, I love her and her husband, Zach, and now they've got two babies. Mama, she's a mama. She's a mama. So we had a wonderful, awesome chat talking to her about yeah. all like the gamut of career, motherhood, uh, everything. Pandemic. So, yeah. Pandemic. Singing hundreds and hundreds of shows of the queen of the night and what's next for right that's exciting very so, stuff please check this out yes yeah there we go and uh happy new year everyone welcome happy to new year stay safe stay warm and welcome to season three okay stay safe bye. everybody bye. Bye. it's like you were saying earlier like well what's going to happen when we all go back to doing this well it's like i don't know I don't we'll know. It's, it's one day at a time, but uh, the one constant is that we focus on each other and we right. and we make that the number one priority over right. everything else. Because that's cool. what matters, honestly. Like, okay, the singing thing, I'm I'm here for the ride, but uh, you know, and it's it's like a, a a wonderful passion that I have. But my biggest passion is for my family and my husband. It's awesome. Okay. Charlie. Charlie, those cheeks are to die. I mean, oh. I just said to, can I call you Katie or is it Catherine? Katie. Um, I, I, I said to Carrie, where can I go buy one of those? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go through the nine months. So, so can I just buy one? <laughs> More than nine months. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's true. After the nine months, it's the all rest of it. Nine oh, sort of miserable, and then uh, you know, then there's no sleep after that for a while. See, I I feel like Charlie is like my initiation to, into actual parenthood because um, Mackenzie, who's three now, um, and Carrie, she um, knitted the most adorable little hats for her that I still have them. I, She's serious that she wore those, Carrie. And I promised and you more. I promised you more and I haven't. Oh, I'm a terrible friend. I have not done them yet. Carrie, you have enough Hi, on your Carrie. face. His head is so cold. Hi, Carrie. I'm leaving. My hair is not presentable. For, hey, Chris uh, says, Chris says hi to you too, Zach. Hi. Bye. Hi. Oh my gosh. It looks like a winter wonderland behind you, Carrie. Well, I'm, listen, I'm just happy we have power and this is happening right now. <laughs> he made me coffee in my diva cup. Of course because you know actually like four different people have given this this is the one from the med opera right you now and um like four different people have given me this mug i have it and i and i have to and i have to like act original every time they, they give it to me i'm like oh my gosh i've never seen this this is so clever oh my god thank you but now you have a set though you know like you can no. yeah right i can, like, I'm... serve tea to the queen there you go well you are the queen of the night.
You are the queen of the night and welcome to the diva show. (laughs) Thank you guys. We need to. We need entrance music, you know, we need like yeah, we do. Do 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 diva 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 do do. Yeah, I don't know. No, my entrance music is Oh, that's true. I mean, it's Perfect. built in. There you go. It's built do you in. have do you have like nightmares about that? Just like um n- no. <clears throat> I think I think I used to have anxiety dreams about singing Queen, but it's been like 10 years now. So it's like I mean, I, I occasionally do get nervous. Like I was nervous at the beginning. I was randomly so nervous at the beginning of the run, this run at the Met this season. I think it was a combination of the fact that like I was coming back from having a baby and feeling kind of out of shape because of having a baby and also because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Because with Mackenzie, I was singing until I was eight months pregnant with her. Yeah. I was singing clean. And eight so months? Yeah, and so I like I kept in good shape, even though I felt like a whale, a singing whale. But it was like I was still in sh- so even though I took some time off when I had her, um, and then also I went back, I went back to the Met and sang Queen six weeks after I had her. So it was like such a little amount of time. There was no time for me to like lose that muscle mass. Mm-hmm. And this time it's like it's been COVID. And I've been teaching a lot. So that's kind of like kept me in shape some. But I think, I mean, I think a lot of people went through this. I went through a time where I just didn't sing. I was like, what's the point? Yeah, what I, was, the- I felt like the pandemic was on an endless loop of devastation. I mean, not only just the pandemic yeah. itself, but everything that was going on in the world, you know, throughout that whole year, it just was like, what do I mean? what am I doing that's making a difference is really me opening my mouth and singing a high C really making a difference to anybody so no I I think we all went on this really weird roller coaster ride journey through all of it and so um, I know that when I stepped on stage for the first time in September after 18 months I was like it's like riding a bike do you remember do you remember how to do this and why why am I like you know like more so normal so yeah yeah I actually feel like um, my students uh, like had a better a better practice uh, like situation. They, I can't. I, I'm not coming up with the word. They they just had like more discipline than some of us who have established careers mm-hmm. because we're so used to like working for money and right. working towards a project and right. working towards like you know learning new roles and brushing up old roles and it's like it's for this and this and this and this and you like kind of get in the grind of like okay this is when I'm singing this role but I'm also learning this at the same time and then I'm brushing this up and it's like you kind of organize your life like that Mm -hmm. and you have no choice whether or not to to um practice or to learn things because if you don't you don't you don't make your money you don't do your job you don't support your family you don't do the things that you're supposed to do right Um, Renee Fleming said that Renee said the same thing she said you know if I don't have a goal that I have to go for forget it you know and and I think we're all like that because we're so I think that's why we are all so good at what we do is because we are goal driven and we're so used to that schedule. I mean, Carrie, Carrie has a crazy schedule at home here, even if she's not out singing right now, she will be, but 
you know, she has this schedule and, and we're so used to having that schedule that when the pandemic came along, it was like, whoa, what do I do with my time? What do we, now? what do we do? I so I want to know, like, okay. So you said you, you know, you had the baby, you went back to the Met, you sang, we should tell people the queen, when we say the queen, you have sung the queen of the night at the Metropolitan every season since 2013. Yes. Yeah. Which means, yeah, but which, but that means though, that you've broken the record of singing the most performances of a role at the Metropolitan Opera. You are like record. Yeah. Of the queen. This is freaking amazing. Thanks. I didn't even actually know that I had broken the record and it turns out that I broke the record before the pandemic, but I had no idea. But this was like new information to me at the last, uh, the Saturday broadcast on the 18th. My parents were listening because they're my biggest fans. Of course. And, um, and my mom writes to me, she's like, congratulations, queen. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, it's just any other performance that I just sang. She's like, no, you just broke the record. So it's like, apparently wow. they had announced at the end that I like have, I'm the record holding, have sung the most performances of Queen in company history. And then, um, and then I looked it up and I think it was Miklosa and I can't remember who else, but they both had tied for 32 performances. Well, I mean, on the 18th, that was my 37th performance. And now I've done 43. Whoa. Holy shamoly. So like, I blew that record right out of the water, right? <laughs> Step aside. Step aside. Well, congratulations. We, we will give you a, I, I have a queen. Oh, here it is. This is just for you. This is yes. my little queen. My queen little, crown. I love it. <laughs> and we'll put that on you. There you go. But when you, so when you came back after the pandemic, you had a baby, did muscle memory kind of kick in for you when you went back to this role that you've sung, you know, gajillion many times, or was it still work? Uh, I mean, uh, yes, yes, and yes. Okay. Um, because with Queen, it is really muscle memory for me. Um, and I, I feel like like there are other things that I was working on for the first time. Like, for example, I'm working on Violetta for the first time right now. I'm going to be making my debut, my role debut um, in April. And so I'm hard at work on that. And um, like working working on that feels so much more like Oh, my body has to do the right thing, you know. And it's also a very different thing than singing Mozart. And and I, I've sung lots of Mozart and lots of Handel in my career, and it's just a very different beast. And it feels right, and it feels good, especially now that I've had my kids. My voice kind of went, you know. Yeah. Um, and so it, it's it's all very good, but uh, it definitely feels um, like I have to be really smart about things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with Queen, gosh, like I really just kind of have to like turn on the switch that's like, okay, do it right. And, mm-hmm. and then it really is like muscle memory. And, but, but it doesn't mean, uh, it doesn't mean that it's easy. <laughs> it's really, <laughs> it, just, <laughs> it just, it remains. I think that's why, I think that's why I continue to take them. I mean, not only because it's, it's kind of the most lucrative role that I sing mm-hmm. in my career, um, and also it introduces me to a lot of people and a lot of houses and it's it's just a very useful thing to be able to do mm-hmm. um but on top of that it, it it remains interesting to me because it's such a challenge to do it every time it's different every time mm-hmm. and it's like it, you know there's so little room for error 
um, unlike with a lot of other roles where you're on stage for a lot longer, okay, if you make a little mistake here and there, you just kind of like flub a little note here or there, or whatever, forget to support on one note. It's like, okay, you know, like over the course of, you know, like the percentage of the notes that I sang on stage tonight were fine. <laughs> but with Queen, like, uh, yeah. yeah, I literally walked off stage last night. We had our last one last night. Oh, yay, congratulations. Yes. Yay. Yeah. So I'm like, yay, I didn't get COVID all the way through my run. That was like the thing everybody was scared about. Hello. Oh okay, um, we do have to talk about that. We have to talk about that. Yeah. Okay. So Hello. Sorry, you, and I, you and I almost met in person. Did we? We were in the same building at the same time, but that building, the Metropolitan Opera is so freaking huge that you never see anybody from any of your other, unless you're in the canteen. That's the only place that you see right. anybody from a different production, but of course I know. the canteen right now. But yeah, I heard- I'm not, I, listen, I, I like, I would go do my rehearsals and get the heck out of Dodge and go to the dressing room and, and warm up and I still got COVID. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. It is crazy now, there, crazy. Was your show like our show where it was like a different cast every night? Uh, only for the last show because uh, we had some of the smaller roles, got it. Yeah, we lost our conductor. I mean, yeah. Patrick did a wonderful job. Um, he, you know, stepped right in and it was fantastic. We, we went through like four different prompters. We went through three or four different first ladies. Um, our monastitos went down, Rodel Roselle. Um, yeah, Rowo, he was in our show. Not that I want this to happen, but I'm just curious, like, why, why haven't they shut it down? I mean, they shut Broadway shows down. They shut the Rockettes down. I mean, I, they probably can't afford to because it, maybe it would close the doors forever. I don't know. But I just was kind of curious, like, what we have so many protocols with AGMA. I was just was surprised that well, yeah. all of this was. Where is AGMA? Is everybody surprised? I think the reason that the Met hasn't shut down is because there are a number of shows going on there. And they also have so many people to grab to grab at for covers right i mean last week carrie i think i told you they recruited me last minute um they were like they were like we see you sung the fairy godmother before um we lost our cover can you learn the role and i was like hi <laughs> i was like when do i need to know it by i mean of course i had done in english eight years ago but i had never done it in english i'd never yeah. done this production and they're like, can you start covering tomorrow? So it was like, I learned the role while in the, it, like, I was like, thank God there's so much time in between Aria as a queen because they called me at 3 p.m. I was on my way out the door to drive to the Met for one of my own performances. And they were like, can you ring, 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 banana phone, <laughs> you? And they were like, can you cover? And I was like, uh, okay, Christmas bonus. Like, you know, I mean, I felt, I felt sort of compelled to, to say yes, because we all lost so much during the pandemic. Right. And like we bought a house, we have two kids, like yeah. I have financial responsibilities. So I was like, yeah, I will do this. And so we literally packed up the kids and a dear friend of mine let us stay at her apartment. She was in Miami for the holidays. So she let us stay there last week um, so on the good. West Side so that I got the, the, the kids near me because like, I'm still breastfeeding Charlie. So I can't yeah. be away from him for right. a long time. Like I, I can't, I, I'm storing up milk right now for a trip to Korea in March. I'm so, like, to ask, okay. 
I wanted what, to ask you about that. Yeah. What like, are you doing I, it? Yeah. So Zach and I are both doing Lucia, which is the show that we did um, when we fell in love. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's really fun to revisit it. Um, and so we're just, we're hoping that it still happens, you know, I mean, because of everything that's happening with Omicron right now, it's, it's really hard to, to know the future. But how does that work? Okay. So let's say, um, you know, Omicron is, we're good to go. You're going to Korea. So how does that work with the kiddos and how does that work with breastfeeding and all that? Yeah. So, um, my breast pump is my best friend these (laughs) days. Um, I stare lovingly at it, even when I'm not using it. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I just, I, I, I basically have gotten myself to a point where, uh, so here's the nitty gritty. I can produce more milk than he needs right now, mm-hmm. which, and I started, as soon as I started pumping a few weeks after he was born, that was my goal anyway, even before I even knew about Korea. So, so I've been producing more than he eats um, for that purpose. And so I've just kind of kept it up with my breast pump and I just pump more often than he eats. Okay. Um, and, uh, so I have, I, I'm, I'm just working on storing up, you know, and it's just like, and is that uh, for Korea? are you storing up for Korea? Are they going with you to Korea? Yeah. No. Cause it's just a five day thing. Oh, so, okay. So you- version, it's really quick. Like, I think we'll, we'll probably spend more time on the plane than actually in the country. Gotcha. Okay. So your parents, so then mom and dad help over and that's why you store up all the, okay. Got it. Yeah. I was wondering about that. Cause I know you guys travel together. You have so far from what I've seen on your social media stuff. So I just, when I saw that you had Korea coming, I thought, Oh Lord, Jesus, how's that going to work out? So yeah. I was going to ask you when, when we're back. In in a, in a couple months, you know, back going to Europe, flying on planes, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> eating at restaurants. What's that? I don't know. What are you gonna do with the little kiddos? You know, it, this is always a question for two singers in a family. You know. Yeah. Um, so basically, our our plan from the beginning um, was to homeschool the kids and travel as a family and remain as a family unit as much as possible, which doesn't mean that uh, we don't spend any time apart, um, but it means that we carefully, and, and you know, and we're very, very fortunate to be able to do this, to be able to choose <clears throat> what jobs we take and what jobs we don't take. Um, and so, uh, Essentially, it's like we we take every offer as it comes, and we kind of examine mm-hmm. um, and and sort of do that checks and balances thing of um, like, is this worth us being apart for this x amount of time? Um, us as a family, not just Zach mm-hmm. and I as a parental unit, but um, you know, and what would happen with the kids? Who would be? Who would have the kids? Who would you know? Um, and so, yeah, it's really, uh, I can't really tell you what it's going to be like, because it's kind of always a different situation. There is no, like, one, uh, like, there is no one parent who always has the kids. And there is no, I mean, right now I have to be char- with Charlie because I'm still breastfeeding him. But, I mean, this was kind of uh, 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 good in a way for me to, I mean, I, I sang all the way through my pregnancy 
um, with McKenzie. And as I mentioned earlier, I was singing six weeks after she was born and I had a C-section and it was a traumatic birth and I had preeclampsia and it was a nightmare. And so the, the gift of the gift of the pandemic for me, and I, I really, I hate to, uh, I gripe about this a lot to my family that so many people are like, well, the silver, silver lining of the pandemic for me was, mm-hmm. it's like, I just, how can we really use that term when people are dying and when, when uh, loved ones can't be with one another? And it's, it's uh, been so awful for so many. Mm-hmm. Um, but to take the opportunity to, we always wanted, we always knew we wanted to have two kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so we actually were planning our second pregnancy for this past season as it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I had taken a really light schedule because I was like, I can't, I can't do what I did with Mackenzie. I can't be on an outdoor venue stage at eight months pregnant in Spain in August. <laughs> no. In a long black gown. Oh, and live to tell the tale. I, I can't do it again. I can't. Um, yeah. So I had like taken a really light schedule. And so actually, you know, when so many people were like, oh, this premiere of mine got canceled or this role debut got canceled, blah, blah, blah. I was like, yeah, I, I didn't have a whole lot of devastating cancellations um, for at the, near the beginning. At, near the beginning, I had a few, like my, my first two Jildas I was supposed to do and, and those mm. got canceled. And they were both supposed to be with Zach, which would have been fun. And we hadn't done anything together other than a couple of recitals. So it would have been our first like foray back into on stage. Yeah. Right. Um, so certainly some disappointments, but, but no, no devastations for okay. me. So I was really lucky in that respect. And we kind of put off having um, a baby at first because um, we were like, well, let's just kind of see what's going on here. And Mm -hmm. this was like still before people really knew if it was affecting kids a whole lot or or people or anything. And actually before we, we kind of, we got pregnant, um, like after, after it had been determined that um, it wasn't hitting kids as hard, but before they said, but it's killing pregnant ladies, like left and right. So we got pregnant and then, and then it was <laughs> like, I basically went into hiding. I honestly like basically went into I hiding. I bet. Uh, I was just, I was terrified. I was just terrified. And then, I mean, I was like first in line for the, for the vaccine. Yeah, I bet. Um, because I was like the the alternative, right? Just we, it's like we we concretely know that COVID is worse for pregnant women than the vaccine is, you know? Yeah. So I get it, but okay. you did it, you did it, and then tell me this. Now, um, you had to cancel. I think your first job back, right after all of this. Um, because of giving birth and issues and all that kind of stuff with that. How horrible was that? So I, I really, uh, again, Pollyanna, I Pollyanna my way into thinking that I could fly my newborn son and my whole family to London to make my Royal Opera House debut <laughs> six weeks after I had him. <laughs> and 
honestly, I think I was like on the road to being able to do that. Like, I mean, Carrie, you've known me for a while. You know, I'm a pretty go get them kind of gal. Right. Right. Um, And so I really, I was like, I can do this, you know, Mm -hmm. like I, I can do this, even though like with Mackenzie, again, I, I sang queen at the Met six weeks after she was born, but it was 25 minutes down the road. Right. You know, so I was like, I had my nursery and my bassinet and I had my support system and I had like everything, you know, and I was like, but I think, and, and it would have been like eight weeks. Um, okay after he was born and it was a scheduled c-section this time because they didn't want to mess with the right. pre-plan again and, uh, and all yeah. the horror mm-hmm. stuff that that i went through in my first birth um so it was all planned and uh funny side note fun fact um both my kids were pretty big babies but what's funny is that Mackenzie i carried until 42 weeks which is two weeks after your due date like women's due dates are at 40 weeks and I carried her for 42 weeks and they scheduled and she was she was big (laughs) and then it was a nightmare Mm -hmm. and then so they they, when they do a scheduled c-section they always schedule it for 39 weeks so they so he was he was born three weeks gestationally younger than Mackenzie and he was still bigger he 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 looks yeah mm. He's a big, big boy. <laughs> you know, Zach, I mean, Zach is like the tallest tenor in the biz. He's right. six, six. Yeah. He's a giant. Mm-hmm. All the tall sopranos love singing with Zach. Yay! Like, I am five feet tall. Like, I am five feet tall. We look ridiculous on stage together. We look like father-daughter. Like, I look like oh. the little 10-year-old. <laughs> Whatever. Oh. Whatever. All I know is that when you came at me as Maria Schwarza and Elizabetha, I was like, you might be five feet, but girl, you are walking on the stage like you are six foot ten. I mean, (laughs) I would have paid money for that scene. Yeah, you're you're a beast on stage. So uh, so that no five. No, that doesn't really even fit you. So I can understand why you birth some big old babies, girl. Yes. Can we talk about, can we talk about social media and the press and the, and the lovely rows that you've had with the press calling you what buxom and stocky? Yeah. Was well, that pre-pandemic? That, was that before the pandemic? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And if it had just been buxom or stocky, I would have been, I would have rolled my eyes and looked the other way and just kind of been like, well, that's rude, but whatever. Uh, yeah, when I was singing Orfeo's Enfer, it was the the new production um, in at the Salzburg Fest the summer before the pandemic. Oh, oh it was in Salzburg. Okay. That's- yeah. And uh, a German critic um, from uh, Die Welt, I think it was, Manuel Brugge is his name. He uh, basically diminished the entire production. This is Barry Kosky's new production of Orfeo's Unfair, and it was fantastic. It's on DVD now. I mean, it's like, it, you gotta see it. You, you guys would love it. Okay. It's a fantastic production. It's raunchy. It's, uh, I mean, like almost everybody is nearly nude. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. you know, there's like Swarovski studded genitalia all over the stage. That's I mean, hysterical. it's cool. Oh, it's really cool. porn opera. It is, it is, it is opera porn. It is absolutely opera point. Um, super, super fun. Um, and 
of course I was like nine months postpartum, 10 months, like throughout the, the process and, um, not feeling my fittest uh, again. Like I, I just had a really, um, terrible birth experience. I had kind of not a, not like a medically complicated pregnancy, but it was just, it was just really hard on my body. Mm-hmm. Um, probably because I was carrying a giant's baby and I'm a tiny person. Um, like I was showing at seven weeks. Whoa. Like I literally, I, I know it was really, really wild. I, I, I found out I was pregnant and like a week and a half later, it was like, boop, boop. <laughs> it just like, I mean, you're not supposed to say anything for what, three months or something. Exactly. exactly. You're like, and Oh, I, I had not- a very big meal. <laughs> I know, right? It's like, was Thanksgiving yesterday? Uh oh, uh oh. I sang, I sang a, a gig out in um, in California, and I. Uh, do you guys know Deb Nansteel? She's a, a, a contralto mezzo in the biz, and she she was like, Katie, um, are you? And I was like, Yes, but what the heck? I'm seven weeks. <laughs> so what well, did you I mean yeah what did you say to this guy like I, I'm, I'm sorry but I was really proud of you because you sorry. you can, you went at him you were like what whatever so go ahead sorry tell the story yeah so he uh he basically kind of diminished the entire production um into uh, like it, actually he didn't say anything about anybody's singing which that kind of almost pissed me off more than anything else it's like he he only talked about how he didn't like the production and um, it was just about fat women um, spreading their legs on stage in a corset. And uh, so that was what he thought of me. Uh, and, and I thought, yeah, but like, there's some really brilliant things. Like maybe if you don't like the raunchiness, fine. You know, like just say, I'm a conservative prude and I don't enjoy this on stage, but like then talk about the other elements of the show. Mm-hmm. Talk about how um, like uh, the, all the dialogue, our, our, our guy who played um, Styx, Max, he uh, learned everyone's dialogue and he did all the speaking and we all mouthed it. Whoa. So he like, crazy voices for us cool okay there is a lot of amazing depth in this production and yet all he could talk about was my fat body in a corset and I was like I was like listen like I think if I here's here's the 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 rub if you will I know that a lot of singers in this business have had experiences like that. I know this because after I talked about it, um, like so many people were like, oh yeah, you, you think that's bad? Like, listen to my story, listen to what somebody said about me in a newspaper. Mm-hmm. And I just became so horrified. And this was like all pretty new to me because like, I've always had like my own internal struggle with like trying to stay, uh, you know, as close to a Barbie doll figure as possible because that is like somehow important um, in our business. Um, 
and like I, I think it's important to be healthy because uh, you know I, I think that I sing better when I'm physically in shape um, and not you know treating my body like it's a garbage zone but um, I, I, I guess I just woke up and realized that um, it wasn't just about getting hired or not you know like your your physical appearance it it wasn't just about casting directors quietly mm -hmm. the resume of someone who didn't look the part it was about truly talented singers not having opportunities and then, or if they do have the opportunity, they have to put up with people judging only that mm -hmm. above what, what we're in it for, which is the singing mm -hmm. and the acting, you know, it's also yeah. about that. But I think that's what made me so mad. Like I, I uh, because I, I felt like I stepped my foot into this this world, into a, like this room of mostly women, but not not only women, right? Um, who had been putting up with this for their entire careers, um, and most of the people that I talked to like had successful careers, and so it's like they were they had been uh, really putting up with. I mean, how how. Uh, degrading and how embarrassing and how and how uh just it, it it just it's like it made me so angry that that people would talk about that instead of the singing like like you know we've all been working for decades to perfect our craft and I, in my in my situation like you know I felt like I was the heroine of my own little story of like, hey, look at me, pat me on the back. I just came back from having a baby and it was really hard. And I have a new baby at home and my body is not my own. And I uh, um, and can't seem to get rid of my body weight because I'm also dealing with postpartum anxiety and postpartum depression. Hormones, and, right? And I've flown across the world to do a new production and I have to wear this costume and, and you know, they, I, I do not want to blame Barry or um, any of our costume people or like anybody because I felt great in that costume. Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, I may not look like I did before um, as my tiny little petite self, but I still felt like I'm owning this. And I am bringing to the table my new experiences and my new vulnerability. And it can only make it better. Like this can only make my artistry better. It can only make my singing better. And I had so many people pumping me up like that and, and, and like believing it myself. And then for him to just be like, no, she's a fat lady in a corset. Who cares how she's singing? And it just takes one person, doesn't it? Yeah. And you're like, balloon popped yeah and it's like oh this is the one person who's willing to be honest whatever i thought you looked hot in that costume girl i thought you were working me it, so. too me <laughs> too voluptuous and you know what you owned it 
Yeah. Okay. 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 I really want to ask you this. So you had such an enormous success with Ariodante with Cecilia Bartoli. Um, and the, what I read about, I mean, I remember what was going on at the time, but that how well your voices just really like beautifully were together and the two of you and the acting, the whole thing is, are, is anybody coming up with new projects that you can talk about with the two of you? Not at this point. I mean, I know that, uh, you know, she, she did love working with me and I adored working with her. She's, she's a class act. She's, um, you know, not a diva bone in her body. Uh, I was terrified of, <laughs> of working with her. I mean, also because like the whole cast, it was like Nathan Berg was the, was the king. And then Sandrine Pio was the Dalinda. And um, we had this countertenor, Christophe Dumont, who is like wow. just the most incredible bad boy on stage. And it's so funny because he, he, um, he met my mom backstage after one of the performances and he like in his thick French accent, he was like, I just want you to know that I am, I'm not a bad person. I am actually really a very nice person and I have kids and I love them. And <laughs> I am a family man. Oh my God. I love this so much. Your mom. Thing. Precious though. That's so cute. He's so awful. Like he rapes me. It tries to rape me on stage. And, uh, then, uh, I mean, seriously, for those who are, are watching this, if you've not seen this production, like run, do not walk to see this production. It is so brilliant. Christoph Lloyd directed it. Oh, and, yeah. Cool. Um, he, he just kind of brilliantly came up with this timeless presentation. Um, my husband like had a kind of interesting thing to say because, uh, and, and it kind of encapsulated what I think about Handel because he was like, I always thought Handel was really boring. Mm. Oh. And I'm, I just, uh, Handel speaks to me and I know it doesn't speak to everyone. Mm -hmm. I know this, you know, it's, it's, I won't say it's an acquired taste, but it's different. If, if the world of opera that you've been in is Bohem or it is Rigoletto or it is Traviata or uh, Wagner or whatever, then this is this is like such a different world but i think that handel is like the truest for me anyway it's the truest way of bringing myself out of my own personality putting putting uh like the most virtuosic vulnerable part of myself into a role cool. because it's such a clean slate in so many ways. Yeah. Um, and so it's this production, it was just, I mean, and Rolando Vietzon came, I mean, like, Rolando. this cast, this cast, oh my God. So I was so terrified. And I remember at our first rehearsal and I start, we started singing just like one of the recits or whatever. And she sang the first line. And then I just like, nothing came out of my mouth. <laughs> I was just like, huh. Kimmy, like take take two. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just. Uh, it's just all coming home that like I'm literally just about to sing for Cecilia Bartoli, and she was the first major opera singer that was ever on my radar. Like as a 16 year old, and I was right? like, just kind of like learning, and and also I was a mezzo. So I thought like I I always thought I was a baby Cecilia Bartoli. I was. Uh, I'm young. sorry. Wait, wait. Um, the, yeah. you. <laughs> 
Uh, what? <laughs> you, I mean, you have, I was just going to comment that you have a low speaking voice for a queen yeah. of the night. That's why I'm <laughs> such a cool chick. Yeah. <laughs> but you started as a mezzo. Aren't mezzos cooler? I mean, yeah. mezzos are cooler. Uh, excuse me. We all started then as a mezzo. Bam. Hello. That's why we're, that's why we're so cool. We are. <laughs> we're so cool. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I, I on, honestly, I was thinking about this the other day because everybody lately is like, uh, especially going into the the Met, everybody's, there's the reigning queen, there's the record holding queen, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I guess I have to sort of get it through my head that I am a queen of the night because I honestly still to this day don't really identify as the queen of the night. I just feel like, okay, this is something that I do so that I can sing all the other things that I had always planned on singing. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not that it, Yeah. Did you yeah. ever, did you ever worry about getting pigeonholed as yeah. just the queen? Yeah, I did. Um, I mean, I was warned by Marilyn Horn very early on. Right. Um, I was first going from, so my summer at music Academy in 2009 was really where I made the switch to soprano okay. because before that, like all through school, um, I really was back and forth. I was really, really back and forth, but, but that summer I finally really started singing coloratura rep and, uh, never went back. Okay. Never. I never went back to singing anything, even it, like it as a hint of a mezzo land. Um, well with a high F did you, did you, as a mezzo, did you have the queen of the night high F or was it something that 2009 onward? Uh, so I always, I called them my party trick high notes. I was like the mezzo who had really strange whistle tones. Okay. Okay. And I thought that they were God awful ugly, like just (laughs) the ugliest sounds that anybody could possibly make from their bodies. I call them dogs. Only dogs can hear them. Yes. Yeah. And like, and really only dogs would want to hear them and maybe not even that. Um, so I really, I thought they were ugly and I, I, um, I was really trying to be a soprano for a really long time. In fact, like right off the bat, uh, I always wanted to be a soprano, but I was told as a teenager, um, also cause my grandmother was a, an opera singer and she was a contralto and she studied uh, Homer. She was good friends with Richard Tucker. Um, so she had like all these wonderful connections, never had a huge career herself because it was right around world war II and my grandfather came home, she had kids and Right. See, like, that is what people did then, you know, right. and my grandfather was definitely not like an edgy kind of fellow. He was like, I've come home from the war and now I'm going to put my feet up. And I mean, not that he was a lazy guy or anything, but it was like, I am the man and you are the woman and you will take care of the children and I will work and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So she uh, remained like the, the ringer um section leader at her uh, church in Ridgewood, New Jersey, which is where my, my mom and my aunt grew up. Um, but before that, she was the contralto soloist at Riverside Cathedral for lots of years, like in the, in the I wanna say in the late thirties, early forties. Wow. Um, so like she, and she made her debut at City Hall and stuff. She auditioned at the Met, but she never got to sing at the Met. And it would have been the old Met anyway, but. Right. Um, so that was like kind of in my family and that low voiced glory was also mm-hmm. just in, in my, in my blood. Uh, and so I thought and with the low speaking voice and also like, I have a strong middle, 
And so from the very get-go of singing um, anything early on, I was told, you're a baby mezzo, you're a baby mezzo, you're a baby mezzo. And I was like, I just identify so much more with like, Lucia, you know, like I, I, I wanted to sing all the soprano roles. Mm -hmm. And um, so right off the bat, like I went to Eastman School of Music up in Rochester and uh, like, I I remember my first lesson with my teacher um, and he was like, yeah, I think you're probably a soprano. And I was like, really? Because that would be really fun. Like that would just be really fun. But I had no confidence, no confidence whatsoever. The first major role I ever sang was Cendrillon as a senior in college. Mm-hmm. That's kind of high. Swish and Fata kind of territory. Yeah. yeah. And then, but the summer 2009, uh, the summer that I spent at Music Academy, I um, was covering and also went on to sing the role of Mignon, which is also kind of Swish and Fach, you know? So I really, I couldn't find my grounding. And I was one of those singers, I, I tell my students all the time, I got billions of rejections nobody knew what to do with me um I had no fach for like the longest time I just had you were fachless I was fachless I just was Uh, (laughs) I love that oh dear so then tell me about having a child for having your first child Mackenzie does that change the voice did it change yours um I mean you said earlier that it had gotten like a little bit I'm assuming that this means like bigger and rounder. So yeah. does that open doors for you now? Um, especially as you know, you 10 years into queen. And when I looked at your schedule and what your role debuts that are coming, they are all in a way, almost like that next step. I mean, you're, you're walking into Verity, you're walking into Traviata, you're doing Jilda. You've already done it before, but you know what I mean? Or uh, have you done Jilda before? Or you I were scheduled? Yeah. Scheduled. And then it's canceled. I was supposed to do two of them at the beginning of the pandemic. Right. But then like I saw count like Hoffman, but that makes sense to me. Juliet and mm-hmm. Romeo and Juliet, Cleopatra and Handel Caesar. I mean, these are they're moving into that next realm. So is that is that the goal and is that where you want to be? Yeah, honestly, I feel like I'm coming home. Okay. Um, because again, I feel like I've never really identified as a queen. Okay. Um, I, I always felt a little bit guilty for stealing it away from people who really wanted to sing it. No, it's <laughs> thrilling to have a bigger voice sing it. I love that. Yeah, me too. Yeah, well, and I have to say that now, like I definitely realize that I am the actual variety of voice that really should be singing it because, you know, like you can look at my track record. I've been singing it almost nonstop, aside from COVID, um, for 10 years and I'm not tired. I'm yeah. not- um, I can still sing it, you know, and like so many queens who are cast doing it a lot um, at the beginning of their careers, they burn out of singing queen and they lose it yep. um, because, the, you know, there's like so many different micro fachs out mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And one of them, a lot of people, I think, kind of think, don't realize that there are two very distinct different types of coloratura sopranos which you have like the the lyric um coloratura which is like your your Erin Morley you know and she just brilliantly sings like the Olympias and right. the I mean just all those just bright sparkly beautiful mm-hmm. like firecracker type roles 
And those have always been a struggle for me hmm. um, because there's just too much of my voice to, to heave up there, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I've worked my way around it. And with Queen, it's kind of designed differently. Mm-hmm. And that's because of the dramatic coloratura role. Right. And so that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm a Wagnerian soprano who's trying to sing coloratura <laughs> roles. It just means that I have a much more dramatic quality and more like, a, a, like in the middle part of on the staff, mm-hmm. I have your regular lyric weight soprano right. voice. Um, and then it just so happens that there's also like that extent up there, right. you know? Right. Totally. So um, what about the bel canto stuff? Are you going to yeah. do any more of that? Like Roberto, yeah. I could totally see you doing Ana Bolena, which is all middle voice. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like some of like all those, uh, all those bel canto queens, I am like, sign me up. Okay. Um, absolutely. I love, I loved your Maria Schuarda. I just thought it was brilliant. So- and, and also it was just so much fun working with you. Oh, we had a blast. Oh my gosh. It was so fun. I mean, the showdown. It's brilliant. I would have paid money to see that. You know, I've been both though. I've done sung with both of you guys in these roles and, uh, and it's always a blast to sing with, you know, amazing artists and, but not just amazing singers, but you know, women that also bring this whole acting to the table too, because then it just adds this other dimension, this other color, this other exciting. It just was fun to get on stage. So, yay! Yeah. And this yeah. is the stuff. This is the stuff that we missed, right? In the pandemic. Well, totally. Oh my god. Okay. Whole feeding stuff. But I have like one last question, at least for me, is and I love him because he's not really like the typical tenor. But you married a tenor girl. Like, what yeah. were you thinking? I know. What were you thinking? <laughs> Isn't that like in the soprano rule book? N- rule number no. one: Do not marry the tenor. I know. Really, really, don't even have an affair with the tenor. Never done that, yeah. but don't. I mean, but like seriously, I like why? <laughs> I know, I know. But he's not typical. I have to say, he's not. You know, he's yeah. actually. He always talks about how he and Ed Parks are sort of twins. Like he could have, like Ed Parks could have been a tenor. Mm-hmm. And Zach Borachewski could have been a baritone. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and I always, I always bring up the fact that, well, you know, I thought I was a mezzo. So like, that's why it works. Cause we're almost sort of like a baritone and a mezzo, which those relationships are lasting. Yeah. They are lasting. Isn't that funny? Okay. So the, the oh. thing, so the thing with Zach is that he is my second marriage. Mm-hmm. And my first husband was a graphic designer. That's right. That I forgot was, about that. You married a normal. Okay. Yeah. You yeah. Normal. Did did marry a normal? Except he wasn't exciting like your normal. Oh, I got a good normal. Shit, you got a really great normal. Yeah. And I had a sweet normal, but there was no passion. And I'm just such a passionate person. Hmm. And on top of that, I mean. I'm not going to go into all the reasons that my first marriage disintegrated, but we were together since we were children, basically. I mean, we, we got together when I was 19 oh. and um, we were together for 12 years and it was very comfortable and it was a very sweet relationship, but he had a lot of mental instability and uh, it was one of those things that it was sort of like after a while, um, I was just like his mental caretaker and there there wasn't really anything else to the relationship mm. um 
And then, so Zach and I met in 2013, I guess it was, or 14, whenever I did Operalia. That's where we met, was in oh, Verona, cool. in the city of love. But he was with somebody else and I was with somebody else. And we just were like some of the couple of Americans um, backstage. And um, I actually knew his girlfriend um, because we worked with the same teacher with Diana. We both worked with Diana. It was Corinne Winters. We, we both worked with Diana. And um, so I recognized Corinne at the hotel breakfast room. And I was like, who's that tall drink of water that she's with? And then I met him backstage. I thought he was Russian because Borachevsky, like with that kind of a last name, you know? And then just like, you know, Philadelphia came out of his mouth. And um, so I was like, oh, you're American. And so then we, we all went on a double date <laughs> in Italy, in, in the city of love. And Zach and I like diagonally across the table, we're just like talking, 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 and just really hit it off. Like just real, just as friends, like really yeah. just as and then over the next um, two years, we pretty much lost touch. Although we had like uh, both really enjoyed randomly the uh, the Minion movies, the um, whatever that's called. Yeah. And uh, so we would occasionally like on Facebook post like a Minion meme or something mm -hmm. on each other's walls. But that was our only contact for two years. And then we were cast together at Opera Carolina, Opera Toledo joint production of Lucia in 2015. And within five weeks, it was like, I, I need to drop everything and be with this person for the rest of my life. It just, it was so, it, it was so strong. It was, like it was like a lightning bolt. Awesome. So we, um, you know, just dropped everything. We got together and um, I got divorced and it was, that was a whole nother can of worms. And then when we worked together, Carrie, like, Zach and I weren't even engaged. Like, I, I mean, everything happened so fast, but I think we'd been together for like six months. Yeah, but you guys were great together. It was just a lot of fun Aww. to be around you two. So, and I, I just love what's happened. You know how, I mean, that's just an, a great, great story. And the kiddos and the house and the, and still was singing and doing your, you know, still doing you. So I just, it's awesome. You're doing okay. Well, you know what? I think the, the thing, I think the most important thing with us is that, the priority that we talk about all the time is each other and our family. Mm -hmm. And not that we don't care about our careers, of course, sure. but deeply care about our careers. Um, but I think kind of coming, coming at parenthood, uh, news alert, I was kind of an older mom, uh, coming at it and like having this family unit, not just like being married to another person, but like mm -hmm. having family unit kind of after I've lived a lot of my life, um, kind of like shows me that like my priorities can be different and dual, and you know? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and find you've done that balance. It sounds like, and yeah. it's so hard. I've been with artists. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. With so many it, artists, I find that it's it's like, oh, singing, 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 singing. And then you say, well, what else do you do? Well, I'm a singer. Yeah, and you're like, okay, well, and and congratulations to you, really. That's Thanks. huge. It's huge. <laughs> yeah. And I think it'll constantly keep ebbing and flowing and what the balance is, and especially as they get older and stuff. But it's going to be fun to watch. Yes. to watch that journey unfold so and oh, uh, i love your 
Mm-hmm. It's like you were saying earlier, like, well, what's going to happen when we all go back to doing this? Well, it's like, I don't know. I don't we'll know. It's, it's one day at a time. But uh, the one okay. constant is that we focus on each other and we right. and we make that the number one priority over right. everything else. Because that's cool. what matters, honestly. Like, okay, the singing thing, I'm, I'm here for the ride. But uh, you know, and it's, it's like a, a, a wonderful passion that I have, but my biggest passion is for my family and my husband. It's awesome. I love that. I love that too. Oh. Can we, can we quickly ask you, I know. So can we ask you some rapid fire questions? Rapid fire. Woo. Can I start? Can I start? Can I start? Oh, go, 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 go. What's the funniest rumor you've ever heard about yourself? Rumor. Mm. Oh, um yeah that i broke up uh zach and corinne winter's marriage oh. they weren't married and when we got together they'd been apart for a long time so that was i was like way you got it mixed up it was like somebody somebody said on some thread it was like doesn't katherine lewick know that zach borachevsky is married to corinne winters and i was like don't you know that no that's not true not true, true. yep thank you what's your guilty pleasure Mm. other than wine uh puzzles puzzles Ooh. i love doing puzzles oh but I, i'm not really guilty about that yeah you know so wine wine so, I'm, wine I, oh, okay I, wine yeah this is good it's medicine uh yeah. three things you have to do every day uh three things mm. i have to do every day uh mm. can i be super sappy yeah mm-hmm. kiss my husband kiss my son kiss my daughter Oh. what about the puppy and the puppy just smell <laughs> yes everybody just smell. but you also have a puppy too you have a doodle yeah. yes we have we have becca chewbacca she looks like chewbacca so we named her chewbacca i love it god that's a great she is, that's a great she is like the most wonderful family dog like she, i mean she was a puppy when we got her and um my daughter was a was like 18, 19 months old. It was like shortly into the pandemic, it was August. And uh, so they've basically grown up together and seriously, they roughhouse like they're two kids. Love it. It is so cute, so cute. Like you can do anything anything to this dog. And she's like, okay. It's, it's <laughs> such a contrast from, you remember you remember my Papillon. Yes, yeah. Wow. Diva, um, diva dog. Years ago, yeah. And he was like, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure so he was deaf and blind by the end of his life. He was nearly 16 years old oh. and such a diva dog. He actually made his debut on the Deutsche Oper Berlin stage like 30 seconds before I made my debut. They needed, like they lost their dog. In the, like the tear handler lost the dog to some sort of illness. And Gerlinda Pulowski, the, um, the assistant stage director, she comes rushing into my room and she's like, don't you live across the street? Do you have your dog with you? Can you bring a dog over? It was like a Rosen Cavalier and I was singing a tiny little role, but it was my debut and my debut season, 2011 at, at Deutsche Oper. And I was singing like the hat maker and the tear handler didn't have a tear. So they were like, hey, bring your dog. So it's literally like the funniest thing. And he walked out on stage and sat down with his back to the audience and went like this to the audience. I mean, like seriously, just like a natural born stage hound. Oh. I love it. 
Sweet. Whereas your dog now would be like, ooh, ooh, shiny object, shiny object. Okay. What is the worst gift that you have given your other half or, or Zach? What's the worst gift you've ever given him? The worst gift. Mm. Underwear. <laughs> Carrie, I think we need to call these the not so rapid, rapid, They're not fire. So rapid no. fire. I, I mean, I mean, I get him socks all the time because he's always wearing through his socks, which I guess is kind of boring, but, I, but it is, feels good though. It feels good to give him new socks. <laughs> you know, like I got for Christmas this year, I got him um, a set of like bourbon glasses and a decanter mm -hmm. that I thought were going to be really, really nice. Ooh. And it turns out they're like super, like they're, they almost feel like plastic. Ew. And I, but I didn't like open the box when it came. And so it was one of those things where I was like really excited about it. And he was opening because the box felt like really heavy. And I was like, okay, these are going to be really nice. And then he opened it up and we were like, ding, ding, ding. And it was like, <laughs> is this, I know. And I was like, he's like, well, they're an upgrade from the non-existent ones that I had before. And I was like, that's okay. a nice thing to say. <laughs> I mean, okay, come on. He is the best. I, I have to tell you, I know we're in rapid fire here, but last night, last performance at the Met, and I'm like kind of out of my mind from last week, like learning the, the say and blah, 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 blah. Did you anyway. go on? Wait, wait, wait. Did you go on as that? Did you ever have to? Oh, okay, okay. No, oh, I covered yeah. three performances. Okay. It's over now, it's yeah. Pasta, pasta. It was fine. It was fine. Okay, okay. Um, but anyway, so, but I, it, I was out of my mind because it was like, I learned the role during a performance and then I covered the next evening and then I had another performance the next night and then I covered another performance and I had the 30, I had New Year's Eve off and then New Year's Day, I went in early to the city and I covered the afternoon HD performance mm -hmm. and then I had a performance in the evening of Queen. So I was like at the Met all day in the basement, just like learning Traviata. And you, you were double masked, I hope. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But anyway, so I, I, like I said to Zach, at some point I will be going into some sort of like opera coma mm -hmm. of some kind. And I think it happened yesterday because you guys know the parking garage at Lincoln Center. Oh. And those spaces are like not a picnic to park in, even if you're like in a smart car. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> we have a full-fledged family minivan, Pacifica, Chrysler Pacifica. That fits. I mean, because we drive when we're when we're doing like just national stuff, we drive, and we got loads of crap. So, Did you melt down? Did you have a meltdown? Okay, seriously, wait a minute. Can I please have a video of that on your way to the Met when you yes. get to the Met? I want the video of that up on your socials. <laughs> yep. And you're like, I can't. Eva I can't. arriving at the Met in my Chrysler minivan. I can't. In my minivan, it's mm -hmm. so chic. It's so. <laughs> It's a plug-in hybrid, so Ooh, I mean, uh, it's so chic. Um, but uh, yeah, we got this van. We traded in our Toyota Highlander, which was going to be like our cool parent car. Mm. But it doesn't fit everything that we need. It no. doesn't. It, no. So um, we got the we got the van last spring. So it's not even a year. It's like six months old. Like this, it's a brand new van. It's so a brand you, new. Um, the problem is that. I think I went into the opera coma because I 
I mean, it's never fun to park in that garage, especially with a minivan. Oof. But uh, <laughs> I, this whole story is because of something that Zach said, which is going to make you guys fall in love with him. He's just, he's just, a, he's a peach. He's just a real peach. Oh, peach. Um, so I'm pulling into this space and I get like halfway into the space and I'm like, this feels a little close. Like this just, I don't, I think I'm just going to go find another parking space. There are plenty of spaces. This one feels a little bad. You know, those pillars. Well, right. Uh -huh. Oh, no. And on the end of one of on the end of some of them, there are those like rusty boxes that house the fire extinguishers. Mm -hmm. So I get myself like in like partially into this space, and there's this like BMW SUV that's like almost into the space that, that I'm trying to get into, like really close to the line. Those spaces are really small anyway. They are. What so, did you do? She hit it. It was slow motion. Like I got in, and it was like I was looking in my mirror. And I'm like that far away from this box, you know? And like, I'm just, I don't know where the, the passenger side, side nose of my car is. And I don't want to hit this other car and make that a whole mess. So I must've made like a 36 point turn trying to get out of this space. And I just got myself wedged more and more. So finally I was like, I have no choice. And so I sideswiped myself on the, rusty box which is still in its pristine rusty box state by the way it looks like nothing happened to it except the, the outside layer of rust probably left a nice there is a two and a half to three foot long gouge in the side of my brand new van and yeah. what did your husband say oh there wait 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 so there went all the cover money uh, from <laughs> so Sorry. I called him and I was like, it's a good thing I made a lot of extra money last week. <laughs> I have a new thing for the to-do list tomorrow. We need to find an auto body repair guy. And he goes, oh no, are you okay? Are you, you know? And I was like, no, I didn't get into an accident. I'm totally fine. I just, so I told him what happened. And he goes, that's like the best way to wreck the car. That's fantastic. <laughs> you're fine. You didn't involve anybody else. It's fantastic. I was like, you are literally the best. And then like 10 minutes later, I'm just about to get, to get into costume and I'm texting him something about Charlie and the feeding schedule or whatever. And I see the two pictures that I had sent to him of the car. And I was like, I just got really sad again because I saw the pictures of the car. <laughs> because shit happens. Don't worry about it. Go slay. <laughs> Can you talk to my husband? <laughs> All right. One more. We're going to ask one more question. No, no. We have okay. two. We, we, we got. Okay. What was the last thing that you Googled? Car repair. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> now, what was the last thing I Googled? No. I don't know. This is the opera coma. It's okay. Speaking. Probably. Okay. Oh, no, I know what it was. I Googled uh, Met Opera Flute because I couldn't remember what time my performance was last night. <laughs> okay. Can we ask you the last question? Yes. Can I ask it? Can I ask okay, it? Go ahead. If heaven exists, what do you want to hear God say as you walk through the pearly gates? Your family loves you. Aww. What matters most? I'm sorry. It's just, it, I know it's sappy, but it is so true. Like that is, I, honestly, I think that is the meaning of life. The meaning of life is mattering 
to the people that love you the most and that you love the most, you know? And that, that includes friends too. It's like you, you made a difference. You meant, to, you meant a lot to someone or to these people on earth while you were there. Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. Well, thanks for, for talking with us and chit-chatting with us today. Well, thanks thank for having me. Of course. Oh my gosh. You've been on the list so for a long time, girl. <laughs> Yay. Stay well. Good luck in Korea. Yes. Nice. Yes. And uh, wear, wear a lot of masks. Just, Just she like needs, Carrie, she needs a screaming diva body condom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Early on in the pandemic, that was with Russell Thomas. When he was telling me he was going somewhere, I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, Russell. I'm like, Russell, you need a body condom. And then we had the whole thing about Screaming Diva body condoms. Body condom. So you need one for Korea. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Definitely need one. Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for chatting with us. It's yeah. nice to finally meet Thank you. you guys. And give my love to Zach. Hug Zach for both Chris and I and uh, kiss those babies, man. Those cheeks are life itself. I love it. <laughs> Take care. Happy New Year. Bye, guys. Happy Bye. New Year. Bye.